life than meets the eye. And it's about the natural and the supernatural realms. But before we launch into that, I just want to talk a little bit about the title of the series, which, as you know, is Living Free. And I've been thinking about the ideas behind Living Free for a good couple of years now, since, since we first had the teaching. And every now and again, I, I ask myself, what's it all about? What's it all for? Why are we doing it? What's the point of it? And I really like the summary that um, uh, on the top of page one. It says, it's about the church, that's you and me, recovering what has been stolen from us. It's about us discovering or rediscovering our true design and purpose by taking hold of the truth in the Bible and then walking with Christ into the freedom that he has won for us. And the way we recover our original design is by knowing certain truths in the Bible. And there are, there are lots of verses, but I've picked out kind of my favorite, really. And the first truth is our identity in the Father's love. And um, Rich and Kate covered um, that, that uh, on, in the first two sessions. So just wondering if perhaps people in the front row would like to take a verse each and, and, and read it, please. 1 John 3, 1 says... See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children, because they do not know him. Okay, and the second one is our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.11. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out in accordance with his plan. Mm, amen. And then the third one is our calling as individuals and as church. Matthew 16, 18 to 19. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you want to do Ephesians 3.10 as well? While you're there, sorry. Ephesians 3.10. Mm. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Okay, and the fourth thing is our commission to go to the nations. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hmm. So the true design and purpose for every Christian is found in God's word. It's there for all of us. But his specific design for you and me is given by revelation or prophetic word, and that's part of the reason we have freedom prayer. So, is there a verse in the Bible that sums up living freely? Well, there are plenty. One of the verses um, for me that is one of my favorites uh, is Hebrews 12.1, the second half of Hebrews 12.1. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles and let us run with confidence the race marked out for us. And the it says living free teaching is about disentangling ourselves in order to confidently live the way God intends. 
And the thing is, living free teaching and freedom prayer appointments, they're tools to help to teach and instruct us about what normal Christian life is. And so that we start to realize after a while, it's normal to come across a difficult situation and ask God, what are you saying about this? What's going on here? And it's normal to become aware of sin patterns or sin responses in your life or my life and want to repent and get it sorted out. And it's normal to say to someone, I was praying for you the other day, I really felt God say, you've got a gift of intercession, that's how he made you, that's normal. We don't need prayer appointments for that, it's part of normal life. But it will do us no good if we live our lives focused around this and this only. We will become self-obsessed and inward looking. And the thing is, we'll always have to deal with our stuff, you know, the stuff in the glass that Rob had um, the other day when he was teaching. We'll always have to deal with it. It, If it envelops you and ruins your whole life, or even if it's just like a small pain, um, every, every now and again you get a small pain. That's normal. You'll have to deal with your stuff. But all of this is about having a right relationship with God the Father. We do all of this for his sake, not just for ours, for the sake of his kingdom, not just for our small corner of the world. We can't wait till we're sorted or good enough before we let God use us to bring other people to Jesus because that day may never come. Our character is vitally important, but what brings people to Jesus' feet is the miraculous power of God. And that's the kind of background music I want us to have playing in our heads as we go through um, the rest of the Living Free teaching. So anyway, back to the notes. So... But halfway down um, page two. As we grow in God, our perspectives begin to change. We see things differently. We experience revelation through the Bible, through others and through God himself. That's normal. We begin to have a deeper understanding of the truth. In particular, we begin to understand that truth is what God says. That's normal. So let's talk about reality. How we define reality influences everything we say, do, and think. Our view of the world is shaped by our experience, our culture, and inspiration from others. We live in a physical, material, visible world, but there's a lot more going on out there than maybe we realize. And a right understanding of reality will help us to live free. So here's a story from the Old Testament about the prophet Elisha. He lived in the time of the kings of Israel. He's about 12 or 15 kings after David. The background of the story is that there was a powerful kingdom called Aram. And I don't know if you know the story of Naaman the leper, but he was actually commander in that army. Um, And they were at war with Israel. And the king of Aram kept having all his military plans messed up because it seemed that the king of Israel always had prior knowledge of them. So he questions his officers to see if there's a spy in the ranks. And one of them says, actually, it's none of us. It's Elisha the prophet. In fact, he tells the king of Israel, even the words you say in your bedroom, which I think is quite scary. But anyway, So the king of Aram sends his men to go and find Elisha so he can sort him out good and proper. Um, um, Perhaps, Jeff, are you all right to read? From 2 Kings 6, 14 to 17. And And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God uh, got up early to the next morning and went outside 
There are troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah. Don't be afraid, for there are more on one side than there are theirs. Then Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Yeah, brilliant. So this is about a situation which in reality looks impossible. An army of horses and chariots surrounding two people is a pretty bleak situation. And, and they knew how powerful Aram, that nation, was at the time. Now, the thing is about Elisha is that when he was younger, about four chapters earlier, he'd witnessed another reality, a heavenly reality. He'd apprenticed himself to a prophet called Elijah for a while, and Elijah's life was now an end. And he'd been asked by God to go to a certain place, and Elisha decided that he was going to go with him. You can read about it. I think it's 2 Kings 2. So Elisha saw his master Elijah being taken up to heaven in a whirlwind, and he also saw, guess what, horses and chariots of fire. So he knew beyond doubt that there's more to life than meets the eye. The reality of the supernatural gives us a different perspective on what's happening on earth. And it enables us to act accordingly with confidence and sometimes with a response that doesn't make any earthly sense. And actually, if you read that story and you see what Elisha chooses to do, it is, yeah, it's quite interesting, I think. Anyway, um, so if you turn over to page four, you've got something a bit like this in your notes. Maybe not quite as colourful as mine, but not bad. Let's see if Rich's little um, <laughs> scheme works. Oh, yeah, it's not bad. There you go. So this is a diagram of the whole of reality. I think it's quite an achievement, really. Can you see? Yeah. Now, unfortunately for you and for me, the Bible is not a textbook. I can hear myself breathing. <laughs> um, so there's not always consistency in its terminology, and it only gives us partial information, only what we need to know, not all there is to know. So, for example, the Bible often refers to the heavens, but there seem to be three different kinds of heaven, all distinct but interrelated. You can probably do whole courses on the study of heaven if you're doing a theology degree, but I haven't got time to go into detail here. If you're interested, later on in the notes, there's a kind of table summarising probably somebody's whole life's work. But it's quite interesting. If you want to know more, you can ask Dave Paul. He's the expert, although I don't think he's here today. Anyway, back to the diagram. So this is in no way an exact rep representation of reality. It's a two-dimensional attempt to explain how the three-dimensional natural realm coexists oh, <laughs> coexists and interacts <laughs> with the multi-dimensional supernatural realm so there are two realms natural and supernatural or you could call it physical and spiritual and the bible calls it all sorts of things but we're going to stick with natural and spiritual for the purposes of of tonight um so in the diagram here, the natural is represented by the earth. I think you've got something like earth, sky, and stars. Have you on your diagram? I've put here the physical universe because it, it, it's everything that, that you can see or touch or experience. It's visible. 
it's finite, which means it has a fixed life in time. And it's limited by the laws of nature in physics. And we relate very easily to the natural earthly realm because our experience and our memories and our five senses are anchored there. It's a little bit like driving a car that you know. Everything about it's familiar, its quirks and its characteristics, it's controllable and it's real. But so is the environment around the car. And that's way bigger. And what goes on in the car doesn't always reflect what's going on outside. For example, you could be warm and toasty, listening to Heart FM or Premier or whatever you listen to, with your vanilla-scented, you know, thingy, air freshener, providing a relaxing experience. But outside, it's two degrees and falling, it's dark, it's rainy, you're stuck in a noisy queue of traffic where the only discernible smell is exhaust fumes. It's not really what's going on. Or you could be driving with an engine rattle and a hole in your exhaust. You could smell, you might have the smell of off milk from a spillage a week ago and the fan stuck on full, so you've got air blowing in your face. But outside, it's a warm day and as you drive down a country lane, you can hear the birds singing, the lovely smell of cut grass coming from a field. It's not that what's in the car isn't real, but that's not all there is to it. And that's the difference between this and that. So, that's the natural realm. And then we have supernatural realm, which is represented by everything else on the piece of paper. And super means above and beyond, so that gives you an idea. And the supernatural realm is, has supernatural beings in it. God, angels, Satan, and demons. And that is also the authority structure in the supernatural realm. And what I mean by that is that God and his angels are more powerful than Satan and his demons. And there are, there are a lot of places in scripture which gives us, give us a glimpse into what is and has been and will be going on in the supernatural realm, um, particularly books like, like Job and Revelation and Daniel. So there are two parts to the supernatural realm. In the Bible, they're both referred to as heavenly realms or heavenly places or heavenly regions or heavenlies. But you have to just work out from the context what they're referring to. But for, for the purposes of it, this, I've called this the spiritual realm of war. That's the green bit. I've no idea if it's that shape. This is dinner plate shaped. So, um, it's invisible. You can't see it. Although probably some people have seen it or evidence of it. It's finite because it does have a fixed life. And I've put here that it's limited, not physically, because I don't think necessarily the laws of nature and physics relate, um, have an effect on this. But I think it's limited because what goes on here only goes on because it's permitted by God, even if it's not God's will. And I think that's true of the earth as well. So it's a conflict zone, spiritual realm of war. It's a place where battles uh, happen between angels and demons. It creates a spiritual atmosphere, if you like, around the natural realm. It's a place where Satan and these demons have authority and rule. And it puts a sort of pressure on the physical realm. And there are lots of verses. I've put lots of verses there. We're not going to read them out, but feel free to go and look at them afterwards. The earth doesn't belong to Satan, but he seeks to invade and control it wherever he can get an opportunity. 
what goes on in the spiritual realm affects what goes on in the natural realm. And in fact, it, it, it also what goes on in the supernatural, you know, in here also affects that we're just talking about this for now. Um, so whether we like it or not, the natural and spiritual realm, realm are inseparable. There's nowhere we can go on earth to escape the impact of the spiritual realm. It, it's a bit porous. It, it absorbs um, the effects uh, of the spiritual atmosphere. If you think about the car analogy, the conditions and nature of the environment around the car always have an impact on how and where you drive. If it's raining, you probably want the wipers on. If it's dark, you're going to need your headlights. If you're in a hurry, you probably want to avoid Woodard and Hill at 5 o'clock on a Friday evening. And then just looking at the bottom of page 6, I think this is an important statement, which is why I've put important. <laughs> Bad things are not caused by a good God. They happen when humans, either consciously or unwittingly, give authority and permission to the dominion of Satan and his demons. He's looking for a foothold and an opportunity all the time. He wants to invade. He wants to control. And that's a little bit about what Freedom Prayer Part 2 is about. Okay, lastly, and most excitingly for us, and most importantly for us, is heaven itself, or what I've chosen to call heaven. So that's also part of the supernatural realm. Everything else exists within this realm. And, and it's massive, you know, it's got, and I've got a little visual aid here. If that's the earth, and that's the spiritual realm of war, it's in there, it's supposed to sink, but it doesn't. And then everything else, the whole world, if you like, that's heaven, the place of God's rule. That gives you an idea of proportion. It's big, heaven is big, God is big. It's the dwelling place of God. It's the place of his throne. The place of his uninhibited and unrestricted and glorious rule. It's the place about which Jesus prayed, on earth as it is in heaven. It's the place where we are seated with Christ. And it's the place from which God's authority extended to Jesus and extends to us. It's where the perfect is. It's where truth is found. And Satan has no dominion here, not one little bit. And there are many places on the earth where the atmosphere of heaven also invades. It has a tangible effect. I think, I think that it was the Celts that called them thin places. And you might know some places like that yourself. I think this building is one of them. Things happen in those places. Heaven impacts earth. It's infinite eternal, invisible, unlimited. So there are a couple of truths which are important for us to understand. We're on page seven, in case you're wondering. <laughs> the first one is, when we become Christians, our nature is no longer earthly, but heavenly. When Jesus came to earth, he was a heavenly man, living in, in this sort of polluted, almost natural realm. And, and so are we. And a couple of years ago, I was at a conference when I was first listening to, to the Living Free teaching. And pretty much the first thing that was said in the first seminar was this. Jesus did not die to make bad people good, 
but natural people, supernatural. And it made a massive impact on me. A lot of things went click, click, click in my head. And I realized that my gospel had very subtly become the way so many people think, which is become a Christian and you'll just become a better person. And that's not true. That really is not true. This is the truth. Become a Christian. Receive a new heavenly nature from God. Allow that nature to be fully expressed in you. And you can't help becoming a better person. But it's a consequence. It's not a goal. And there's a quote down here. I've written here from one of my favorite people. Putting your faith in Jesus as Savior connects you to something above and beyond what we could ever have access to in the natural realm. Which introduces the second truth at the top of page eight. Excuse me. Which is, when we become Christians, our natural home is no longer earthly, but heavenly. Rich, do you want to read that uh, Ephesians 2 passage? (laughs) Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised us when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So it's verse 6 that's the important thing there, but I really like that whole passage. I put it, I put it in. And what happens between verse 3 and verse 4 is that we, have an, we had an old nature... And when we commit our lives to Christ, he gives us a new nature. That's what he's saying there. And that gives us um, the right to to be seated in heavenly places. So we live in two realms. We exist here on the earth, in the natural realm, but we are seated here. So you might want to draw a little person on a chair. I'm going to stick it there because I had to do this yesterday. So it had to be removable. But there he is. Not great. There you go. So that's where we are seated. And that's where we live from. And it's important for us to know that. We live from here, not from here, and definitely not from here. And when we have freedom prayer, it's about bringing the truth that's a reality in heaven to earth. And it's about us putting pressure on this. When we deal with strongholds, we're going into here. We're bringing reality from here to bear and that makes a massive difference to what goes on here and that's important for us to know this is where we live from our understanding the way we think and behave is heavenly and that's normal in heaven I see Jesus face to face and I'm like him my reactions and responses are godly because they reflect the father's goodness kindness and love 
even though our feet are on earth, our head is in heaven. This is what Elisha knew. This is what Jesus knew. And both of them were godly men of many miracles. So I'm going to go to page nine now. So because our nature is heavenly and our home is in heaven, we do need to have this biblical worldview which recognises both the natural and the supernatural realms. If we don't, none of the living free teaching makes any sense. And more importantly than that, our Christian lives will be less effective. Going back to the car analogy, a bit like driving a car, paying no attention to the surroundings. It's blinkered at best and dangerous at worst. So we need to ask ourselves questions. We need to understand that events in the heavenly realms have a direct impact on events in the natural realm. So sometimes we need to say, what's really going on here? Is this just happening? Is my disintegrating relationship just happening? Is the breakdown of society and community just happening? Is division, tension, or lack of joy in the church just happening? Is my persistent depression or anger or lack of commitment just my personality? Is the constant onslaught of stuff happening to my family just bad luck? Are wars, civil unrest, and ethnic cleansing just the way it is? And so on. And we can use our God-given imaginations and ask him to show us what we really need to see. So what does it mean for us? Well, the bottom line is that we're supernatural beings. Our spirit is fully alive, joined to Christ's spirit, and we're indwelt by his Holy Spirit. You know, we're body, soul, and spirit. It's a little bit like this. It's sort of physical, you know, and the soul is the kind of invisible bit and the spirit is the big bit of us it's a little bit like that but our spirit is fully alive joined to Christ's spirit because we live here and we're indwelt by his holy spirit we have a taste for heaven we cannot help it it's in our nature our new nature we can and should live from heaven to earth and we're under attack from satan and his foot soldiers whose mandate is to steal kill destroy accuse deceive devour and diminish us. But we can live on the earth in total well-being and still overcome the enemy, just like Jesus. He did this as a man, not God. So do we. He was dependent on the Spirit of God. So are we. And most importantly, at the heart of everything he did was his relationship with his Father. There's a thought. So our mandate on earth is the same as Jesus' mandate. John 17, 18 says, just as you, this is Jesus praying, for his, um, praying to his father for his disciples. He says, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And Jesus' mandate is to destroy the works of the evil one. It's in 1 John 3, 8. And Jesus gave us authority to do this. And I know we've had this verse already, but Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And the implication is, therefore, you can go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to... 
So in answer to the question, what does it mean for us? This is what it means for us. It means Jesus' ministry is our ministry. And Acts 10.38 says, Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God, with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. He went through the country, helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all of this because God was with him. That's our ministry. It means his authority is our authority. It means his fullness is our fullness. And it means his power is our power. Our power. <laughs> so, what should we do? <laughs> well, we could accept heaven. It's very nice, after all. Lots of nice things going on in there. And we could just ignore the existence of the spiritual realm and just try to get through life as best we can hoping we don't come across anything too awful to have to deal with this is a fear response and it's a bit like going back to the car driving a car to a place you've never been without google maps or sat nav or anything like that not knowing the highway code all that well perhaps that's the highway code <laughs> and just hoping that everything will be fine you probably end up on the Birmingham Ring Road when you were trying to get to Croydon, driving in the wrong direction in the opposite carriageway. Could be catastrophic. Or we could acknowledge the existence of the spiritual realm of war. And I think maybe some of us are in danger of doing this, but make it bigger than it really is. And that's also a fear response. We could spend most of our time focusing on the need to protect ourselves from the evil one. But guess what we would be thinking about most of the time? And that's also a fear response. And this is a bit like, back to the car, spending a ridiculous amount of time making sure the car is in good working order, filled with fuel, and having four different roadmaps, a sat-nav and a Google Maps, just to pop down the road and get some milk. And I do know people like this, driving at 20 miles an hour in all conditions to be extra safe. You probably would get to your destination. I don't really think that you'd enjoy the journey. Or... We can turn our hearts towards the one who is our all-sufficient, all-knowing, all-powerful Father and Saviour. We can seat ourselves in heaven and live from the truth that's found there. We can handle our sin, disappointments, difficulties and oppression from a heavenly place with a heavenly mindset and using heavenly weapons to disarm spiritual forces of evil. And we can bring God's kingdom to earth just by doing that. Now that's a faith response. And if the church really gets that this is where we're seated, and if we live according to that truth and the truths found in, in the word about what that means, that is powerful. And that is the point of living free. So we probably haven't got time for that.